Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 40-ish. Which Jason's going to wrap up real early, because if you haven't checked, the homeboy gets up at 4.30 a.m. now. Yeah, yeah. 4.30. Well, 4.30. Which, if you think about it, most of the people on the West Coast haven't even gone to bed yet. Those have really active social lives, that's true. No, I, I've been going, getting to bed, going up, blah, blah, blah. Words, I'm sneaking <laughs> words. Yeah, for, dumb, 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 dumb. Uh, 4.30 is the uh, opportune time for me to get up, make coffee, and get to the gym and be back before the household awakens. So it's, uh, I've actually been listening to a lot of other podcasts because that's kind of what I do in my free time. Like 30-ish. And, uh, and like 30 20 uh, 20-ish is too, too no, 50-ish <laughs> is too old. Can't do that. Oh. <laughs> but uh we'll, we'll get into an episode where we have recommendations i, I definitely want to do that but yeah yeah i'm getting up early and the alarm's set for tomorrow that sounds so like a yeah, good grab bag question jay for later it does. Yeah, we'll, we'll stock that one away so uh, i'd like to welcome in as always mr john moody hello and mr Greetings. lance Abear. and we are pleased uh, as possible on episode 39 of 40-ish here so does that mean we have to pretend it's 39 for like seven episodes and never actually say we're 40? No, we're That's not. That works. Oh, fair uh, enough. We're embracing fair enough. 40-ish. Thanks for alienating that entire yep. demographic, John. That, that <laughs> yeah, right. gone. Yep. Lance's mom will <laughs> never listen again. Yeah. Anyway, we are uh, happy and, and privileged to welcome in both Mr. to most of you and Dr to me because i just can't get that out of my brain uh patrick bird patrick welcome to 40 ish well uh thank you jason and uh i appreciate the invitation and uh, look forward to uh chatting with you guys this evening absolutely absolutely so uh i before i give my stories and my background uh we'll give you the best opportunity to do it now patrick can you give us an elevator pitch as to who you are and what you do well i am uh as you said, uh, Patrick Bird, uh, I actually had a, a previous career in uh, education for almost uh, 30 years, uh, serving uh, in the capacity of a teacher and principal, and eventually as a school superintendent in uh, school uh, two, two districts, one over by Detroit, a town called uh, Richmond for 10 years, and then most recently uh, here in uh, the Kalamazoo area, District uh, Matawan where I met you, uh, uh, Jason, and uh, was involved in education and retired from education in uh, 2015 and had an interest in uh, real estate and wanting to kind of run and operate my own independent business. And so uh, for the last uh, three years, I've been uh, a realtor with uh, Berkshire Hathaway here uh, in the uh, Portage office. That answers every question I had. I always say yeah. Berkshire, but Berkshire sounds right. That sounds more fancy, <laughs> fancier. But uh, no, no, that, and that, yep, that's that's how I remember it. I got a, a couple things that I want to go with because I just find it intriguing. I remember, uh, so I was a teacher in Matawan Consolidated School District for four years, uh, just shy of four years before I uh, I left. Uh, and I will not forget the first day of school. So the teachers always go back the week before the students do actually weeks before, but officially a week before uh, where, where Patrick was introducing himself to the entirety of the district. And he had an endearing story about how, you know, typically you list 
uh, students or people's names on, on documents or whatever. Like for me, I'd be Vlad, comma J and Moody would be Moody, comma John. And Patrick was bird, comma P. So for the longest <laughs> period, he always told us that he was referred to as bird P, which was just, just hilarious enough uh, at that early hour on a Monday before school was starting and our summer was ending for it to be uh, pretty hilarious. Well, I'll tell you, when that happened, I would think I was a seventh grader, and it was uh, devastating at the time, but uh, oh, it was good good for humor later in life. Ah, you yeah. persevered. You persevered. So. We, should, we should ask one question of Patrick right now, and, and yeah. you know, feel free to, to comment as honestly as sure. possible. Was Jason really a good teacher? You know, in my opinion, ah. Jason was actually an excellent teacher, Uh I'll tell you, he was extremely creative and uh, was, I was all, I always admired how he brought a technology. Talking about Jason Ballard here, right? And related extremely (laughs) well to kids. Oh yeah. And and he was very creative. Uh, In fact, he was so creative that we'd have to call the insurance company on occasion to see if we could get permission for him to do some. (laughs) Nice. Like, like film from the roof of the school and those kinds of things. So, uh, that did happen that did happen actually i was just reviewing that video the other day because the uh one of our guests about four or five episodes back fritz clue was there with us when we filmed so that's a nice little wraparound (laughs) there you go there you go um yeah so i always it's funny when when people are looking for a realtor um the joke i make is for the long time uh, Patrick was my boss as the superintendent. And then two short years later, I was his boss as a temporary hire for, or as a realtor for my wife and I to buy the house that uh, I'm recording in right now. So it was kind of an interesting turn of events as, as life happens. So that was pretty cool. The other thing that uh, endeared Patrick to me was in a district we taught in and we were educators in that was largely, um, colored blue and gold with a giant block M. We were the very few and true Spartan fans to uh, persevere um, and have to deal with all that Michigan conversation. So uh, I appreciated that nonetheless. All right. So uh, Patrick, uh, to continue our our trend of inviting very interesting people on the podcast, uh, we kind of wanted to ask a few questions and I'm going to start with one that's, uh, I'm hoping, a softball okay. question. So here we go. Uh, Moody and I live in the greater Kalamazoo area. Have uh, John's lived here longer than I have. John, you moved in in, like, 97. late 90s. Yeah, yeah. you came to, to Western. And, and Lance has had the opportunity to visit um, uh, this this great, great city. So Patrick, when you've got people that are getting ready to move into the area, whether it's for business or by choice, how are you selling the city of Kalamazoo? What, what kind of things are you uh, able to share with people that, that kind of reaffirms their decision for uh, moving into uh, a city like this? What are the, the highlights? Well, you know, first and foremost, I'd say the the nice thing about Kalamazoo is, uh, it's it's a diverse city and it has a diverse economy if if you take a a look at kalamazoo the healthcare industry is extremely strong uh there's been a shift from manufacturing but we still have a, a strong presence in manufacturing 
and and a number of things have happened now in the service sector. And so, it, you know, Kalamazoo, with its diverse economy, I think has been a very positive thing. So when things are bad, Kalamazoo doesn't suffer quite as much. And uh, and I think it's been a good place for people to uh, work and have jobs. I would also say we have an extremely strong education system uh, throughout the area, whether it's uh, public schools or private schools. There's a number of school districts and, and private schools that have excellent reputations and serve uh, kids well. Of course, we have the Kalamazoo Promise uh, for those uh, actually living in the Kalamazoo district. That's a, an excellent benefit for families. Uh, the location, if, if you take a look at our location, I mean, we, we are halfway between the Detroit and Chicago metro areas, only about four hours north of Indianapolis. We have Grand Rapids to our north, Lake Michigan to the west. Uh, I, I just believe that the location itself for people who might be uh, in, in the business sector or looking for things to do on weekends, uh, it, it, we're in close proximity to a number of different things. And then recreation, I mean, we have all kinds of water sports. You can canoe, swim, uh, go to Lake Michigan, ski. Wintertime, you have snow skiing. You can uh, hike. Uh, lots of biking that goes on in the area. And then, you know, the other thing I'd say is mm -hmm. we, have a, we have a strong housing market. And the nice thing about our housing market is it's affordable. If you look at the national average, the average house uh, most recently nationwide would sell right around $215,000. And here in the Kalamazoo area, uh, housing $75,000. So I, I think of those things right off the top of my head. And it's just a friendly community. I, I just, uh, uh, having lived here now myself for about uh, nine years, uh, the people here just seem to be uh, nice, fun, and and, mm -hmm. and that. So, John, you've been here two decades. What? That's what was, sad. Well, I was I was having to do the math. I mean, Patrick's talking. Do the math. Do the math. Do the math. Do the math. Well, if you what, had what do you want to add for, you could figure that out very easily. Let's not even get started on that at all. Uh, uh not playing that game. <clears throat> Or maybe I will. Who knows? Yeah. What, what would you What would you add to what, what Patrick was saying? I mean, now that you've, I mean, you've lived in the city proper right. for twenty plus years. Uh, twenty one. What do you just figured that out? Yeah, I know it's been a while. Right. So, uh, would you agree? Disagree? What would you add? What do you? No, got? I think um, you know Patrick was right. I mean, especially the um, comments about how um, Kalamazoo has such a diverse economy here that when times hit other places and you'll see other cities taking, you know, pretty substantial hits. Kalamazoo has um, persevered for a while. And I mean, I think a lot of that comes from the fact that uh, you look that it was founded, you know, with, with up John and then they, you know, they were bought out by uh pharmacia, which was then bought out by Pfizer and things like that. And so it's, I think Kalamazoo just became very um, consistent with change, you know, so it's not, that um, it doesn't have everything just solidly in one kind of market, I guess. So is it just diverse enough or is it just resilient enough? Eh, maybe a little bit of both, you know, and uh, I think the other, at least for me being a uh, musician here, it's like Kalamazoo has probably one of the most vibrant arts um, communities 
in the mm-hmm. area. I mean, I would put it up against cities three, four times its size. I would agree with that, even you know, being an outsider. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, no, go ahead. Being Jake. an outsider, I was gonna say, Lance, being an outsider, uh, I'm kind of curious. You've you've come in occasionally to to visit, and we we appreciate that because you're doing a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of travel. Uh, but what what is your first impressions? Even though we know you came with a, a targeted destination in mind, what what's your first impression when you come into town? Coming to town, um, having lived down here in North Carolina now for eleven, go oh God, yeah, eleven years, eleven and a half years now. It's yeah, Dang. it's the the communities down here are completely different, and the it's. When I when I come up there, I mean, even the, even the small towns down here um, don't seem as um, how do I? And, and, and this is no, I mean, don't take offense to any of this, but when I, when I yeah, when Too I late. first come into town, when I first come into town into Lake Portage and Kalamazoo area and that area, of the state up there, and even really any part of the state of Michigan is. You know, to me, comparative, comparatively speaking, with some of the towns and the communities down here in North Carolina, uh, seem to be very run down um, and very depressed. Um, it may not be because it's obviously, I mean, you guys' economy is still is still thriving, but the the first impression when I have you forgotten about the weather fluctuations? Uh, yeah, no, it, it, it beats no, down no, yeah, on it's, you. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, the whole state of Michigan is depressed. I mean, it's not. Um, you know, so it's it a is. sad yeah, hand. Yeah, That's right. So, um, but it, you know, comparative, you know, to like Flint area of Michigan, you know, Kalamazoo and Kalamazoo mm. and Portage area that is so much better than that even. So. You know, and having been lived and grew up in Lansing, it's, you know, I still think what, what John said. I mean, I, I would completely agree that the, you know, the arts community and the, um, you know, between, between Kalamazoo and Detroit area, well, even Grand Rapids, I mean, the, the arts community up there is, uh, you know, by far, you know, second to none. I mean, it, it, when it comes to the Michigan mm-hmm. communities like that, I mean, it's, it's like a, it's like a cheaper Chicago area or a cheaper, um, you know, New York area, as far as when it comes to the, the arts community. And I don't even know, I don't even know that much about it. I mean, sure. I, I am a theater person, but I don't know, you know, that local, those local theaters and stuff, but just from I, what I know of John's experience and John's you know, jobs and, things that he's had i mean it you it has to be vibrant in order for you know that there are things to be done up there so true now patrick you had mentioned uh, the kalamazoo promise which we had talked about before and that's that's the promise is now uh, 11 12 years old uh do you find that people are still moving into the area for the promise or is it just kind of a, a pleasant side effect for the general interest yeah. in the city? Well, in my experiences, I, I do know that there have been people who've moved in from out of the area, uh, clients of mine who have specifically said, we've, we've heard about the Kalamazoo promise. Uh, we would love to have an opportunity to be a part of that. So could we find property 
in the Kalamazoo School District, uh, specifically so we could uh, experience the, the Kalamazoo District and also uh, take advantage of the promise. And, and I do believe that uh, there are people who specifically do take advantage of that. I also think too that uh, uh, people have decided to stay in the Kalamazoo District. Uh, and maybe if, for example, their, their family starts to grow, they want to be part of the promise. So instead of maybe putting their house up for sale and going to a, a larger home somewhere, they might actually put an addition on their home or do some remodeling in order to accommodate that larger family so they can stay in Kalamazoo uh, with the promise. I, I know that we often, if we're listing a property, for example, in Kalamazoo, we will, we will market the promise because we know it is something that people are extremely interested in. Hmm. Yeah, because I wonder. I mean, I'm. I mean, I was student teaching at the time that they announced it, and a lot of people uh, knew at the time that it was going to be a a pretty interesting time for influx of people into the city. So I was just kind of curious how how that held up over time. So that's cool. Um. So let's talk real estate in general for a second here. So we. Uh, have all bought houses. We've all sold houses. And uh, we know that sometimes uh, it's a daunting task. It's, it's, I don't know, it's always been a daunting task. It scares, a daunting task. it scares the crap out of me. Um, so I'd like, I'd like to hit up on your top tips. I thought it would be top five, okay. but that's kind of rigid. So let's go with this. If we are looking to sure. sell our home, what are what are some of the first things you would advise a, a potential client to do? What's the first thing that you have them assess? What the, should they pay attention to? Just like if we come to you and go, oh, my God, Patrick, I have no idea what I'm doing. You say, sure. calm down. Have well, some I was actually going to say Here's the first you thing do. you want to do is choose an excellent agent to work with. And I'd say choose me, of course, but uh, <laughs> but uh, no, of course. Uh, I do believe that's extremely important. I think if, if you uh, are going to work with an agent, you, you want someone who is going to listen to you and understand what it is you want to be able to accomplish. Um, someone who's very service oriented, someone who's going to focus on your needs. And, um, and, and I think you, you want to choose someone who understands your particular market. I think that's important. Um, you want to choose a, a realtor who is going to help you understand uh, the pricing and uh, properly pricing the house, which I'll get back to in a second. But specifically, if, I think what you're asking is, what do we do to get ready? Well, prep, prepping the home to sell is extremely important. And, uh, and today, if you look at today's buyer, all you have to do is watch HGTV and, and watch uh, those television shows where the they take the buyers around to the different places. And it, it's a unique situation in that we have a lot of buyers nowadays that they, they want a finished product when they when they get there. So what they're really hoping for is is to be able to, with the money that they have, have all the bells and whistles with the home, the granite countertops, the wood floor, the fine finishings. So as much as you're able to financially be able to do those kinds of things to make your home look uh, 
like it was built in in 2015 uh, or you know now is without you know blowing the budget totally much as much as you can do that um, that's nice but some basic things would be fresh paint in neutral colors is always uh, something that helps sell a house um, cleaning floors uh, just cleaning all together and decluttering as much as you can declutter you want to make it look like uh, uh, it's it, like min, minim, minimization, I guess would be the word, and um, and fix up the things that you know are broken um, in advance. Don't don't wait for that to happen. But if if you know you have a broken faucet or an electrical outlet that doesn't work, those kinds of things are going to end up uh, popping up during the process. So go ahead and and do that. And 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 you want to have what I call um, showroom ready uh, uh, get it nice and clean and prepped for pictures and uh, that that's one of the things that you really want to do to prepare the second thing then that I think is extremely important is is pricing the home the right way uh, what you want to be able to do is attract serious pre-qualified buyers and so you you want to understand what your market situation is look at comparable properties uh, look at what the value might be and price the home then to sell. And, and I think the faster you need to move, the, the more you need to have that price in that accurate range. And, and, um, and, and it's an extremely important mm -hmm. thing because a lot of times I'll work with clients who may say, you know, we, well, if, 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 for example, our house you think will sell for 200000 let's try to sell it at 215000 And And I understand the logic in that, saying that, well, somebody may come in and, you know, off, they won't offer us what we're asking. Um, but the danger in overpricing is you're dealing with a market where people are pre-qualified. And if you, let's say, list a house that's only worth 200000 at 215000 all those people who are qualified just below 215,000 aren't even going to see your house in a search engine. And so therefore there's a ton of qualified buyers that, that might not even mm. know that the house is on the market if, if they're looking for something below a certain value. Um, and then the other thing is, is, uh, sure, you know, if they're working sense. with a buyer's agent, that buyer's agents likely studied the market and they may say to them, this house is a little bit, potentially overpriced and that their, their jobs to look out for the buyer. And so you could lose some people that way. And then a house, the danger could be the house sits on the market too long and then becomes kind of a stagnant property. And people kind of wonder, Oh, what, what potentially could be wrong with this? It's been on the market a long time. That's not always the case. Um, you know, homes that right now, and at least in our area that Falling at one hundred thousand to probably two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar range can often go extremely quickly because there are more buyers than there are sellers right now. But you get up into the higher home price range, it may take a little bit more time. Um, and, and then working with the, the a good realtor is important because you you want a realtor who who's going to market that house in your behalf. And, and in today's market, much of it's web-based. Uh, almost 99% of people search for homes now. The first search they do is some some kind of search on the internet, whether it's on their 
Zillow or Realtor.com or um, lots of Zillow. There's just all kinds of websites. <laughs> and so you want to work with someone who's uh, tech savvy and understands how sure. to market using social media, um, understands how to uh, place it in, in the on proper web pages, understands how to promote things. Um, someone who has energy and enthusiasm and, and someone who's going to draw people to the house that that's, uh, so those are kind of some of the basic things I think, uh, when it goes to, to selling. Sure. Well, I, you know, uh, it's funny you say, you know, tech savvy, I, I, our experience, uh, full disclosure, Patrick was our agent <laughs> when we bought this house. Uh, if I haven't said that yet, uh, was the the idea that and Moody, I don't know if this was like when you bought your your most recent house, where almost all of the paperwork we did throughout the process mm-hmm. was digital. Like Patrick would send us stuff that we needed to sign or initial, and it was all done on uh, yeah, program oh, what is it, Patrick? Something dot dot something. Yeah. Dot loop. That's it. We dot might have loop. done a, some it. of it with that, but I don't recall actually doing gotcha. a lot of it. I mean, it, I just found that to be, I wonder if it's one of those that's maybe company specific. Too. Oh, you mean like only Berkshire Hathaway right. uses it or right. something? That's a great question. That's a great question. Um, Lance, when you, it's been a while since you had purchased uh, your most recent home. Uh, what was your buying experience? Like, was it a, well, first of all, where was the house? that you bought most recently and what was your experience like? Um, was it similar to a positive experience like Patrick was explaining or was it completely different? Um, it, the, well, first off the, the house is, it still is, um, Holly Springs, North Carolina, just outside of Raleigh area. Um, the process was, was good. We had a, excellent realtor uh, we had n- known her um, outside of her professional life for a couple of years before we well not a couple of years because we bought the house shortly after we moved down here um yeah yeah probably it was probably about a year we we knew of, of this woman so um and she was a she was a great realtor got us into a um, really nice house that was good for us at the time and it's still good for one of us at this point, but, um, the, the house is, is still there. And, um, the, the process was very smooth. Obviously we bought it 10 years ago, so it was it's still a different process than it is now. Even, um, like I, you know, but like John was saying, and you were saying a lot of it is probably a digital you know, format now, but back then, you know, back then sure. it was definitely not, uh, digital. So, uh, but the process itself was rather simple. I mean, we, uh, it was our second home we had bought and, you know, the first one in North Carolina, we had sold our house up in Michigan at the time. So, uh, it was our first house purchased down here and markets down here are, are, you know, definitely have definitely fluctuated considerably over the past 10 years, but, uh, we've got a really, booming housing market down here. I mean, we've got so many people moving into this area. I mean, right outside of my apartment complex, there's, I mean, another apartment complex being built right smack. I mean, I could throw a stone into it, you know, into these other, these other apartments, but <laughs> you know, the housing markets 
just crazy. Was I mean, it this, this population down here is just exploding like nobody's business. So, right. Was it the scariest John Lance? Was it the scariest document you've ever signed signing for that mortgage? Having a concept of how much money you potentially were on the hook for? Um, a little, I mean, I mean, it was scarier than signing my marriage certificate. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it's just one of those things that you just look, I think it's, more of just, you know, you know what all the, the money's going to be. I think it's more of just the time. It's like, all right, you're going to be paying this yeah. for 30 years. Yeah, I don't like think it was, I don't think the process was scary. I mean, the, um, or the, you know, the thought of signing something like that was scary. It was, um, I think it was, you know, when it, when we bought our first house back in 1999, um, when we bought our first house together up in, uh, up in Lansing, it was a, it wasn't a scary moment, but it was something that was, and you know, Jason, I think you can probably attest to this too, but you know, when that, that first time that you buy a house, it's, it's like a rite of passage. I mean, it's like you are now an adult and, um, oh, yeah. And, you know, John, I think you could probably you know, get that same thing too, especially you, you know, living down there in that area of Portage, Kalamazoo area for so long. Um, Cause I think that was where your first house was, wasn't it? In, in Kalamazoo. Yeah. So it's, uh, yes, you know, we had, mm-hmm. you know, all of us cut our teeth in the, uh, in the housing business, you know, up there in Michigan. So it was, well, I think Jason, you didn't have a house out in California, did you? Uh, no, I, but, um, I lived with my so, parents at the time and I couldn't even imagine what it would have been like to buy a house out there. Just yeah, the yeah. price. I, I can't even so, fathom, but it was, that. so that was Holy the, God. the whole process was pretty straightforward. I mean, and it was kind of a rite of passage. I mean, this is your, mm-hmm. you know, the first thing that you could really purchase that you could say is yours. I mean, granted, I mean, you may have had bought a car or something before that, but when you buy a house is, you know, it's something that, um, and Patrick, you can probably attest to this too. I mean, it, it's a scary, scary thing for these young families and these young people buying these houses. But uh, I mean, would you agree that it's kind of a rite of passage to, to experience something like that in their life sometime? Well, you know, one of the things that <clears throat> when I look at housing and the, and the whole process of purchasing, purchasing a house, and I often have this conversation, especially with first time buyers, when you stop to think about it, when it, it is the largest purchase that you typically make for yourself in your lifetime, uh, it whether it be when you're first starting out or when you're you know more towards forty-ish or getting up into my bracket a little bit above that. Um, every time you buy and sell a home, it's, it's the, uh, <laughs> it's the largest, uh, I, I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to over bracket myself here. Uh, no, I was waiting for you. Like how, how, how are we going to, how are we going to finesse um, this statement? Let, let me tell you, life go. in the fifties is awesome. <laughs> um, but I will say that when you're purchasing a home, I mean, the, the next largest purchase that you're typically going to make is a car. Now think about when you were 16 
or you know 18 or 20 when you purchased purchased your first vehicle that in a way was a rite of passage well you're exactly right when you get, get into buying that first home it, it really feels that way it, it one of the neatest things is when i'm working with a person who's buying their first home they're so excited about it and when we close on it and have the opportunity to go over to the house with them um, and they take the keys and open the door extremely exciting for me because I know I've helped uh, get them to that point but I, I also know that you know they're they're looking forward to it and and uh, you're right it is in a way a feeling of that rite of passage I guess when you first do it so well let me ask a question similar to what you just had brought up I mean is is there what was the your, the motivation for you getting into this industry and, you know, as, as far as, I mean, was it like, Oh, I want to, I want to help people buy their first home or, um, I mean, what was the motivation for you getting into this business, especially if coming from the, you know, academia, um, what was the, what was your like, you know what, this is what I want to do and this is why I want to do it. Well, uh, great question. I, well, I'd had some experience um, as a school superintendent uh, actually uh, purchasing property for the school districts uh, and, and selling property, um, optioning property. So um, I always found that whole process to be extremely interesting um, as we were looking at large acreages and how we might develop those. Um, then I myself, uh, my wife and I, uh, over the course of time, actually uh, owned a couple rental properties, uh, and and so having bought and sold those and uh, worked with uh, renters, uh, I, just the, the entire housing industry was just something of interest to me, and I wanted to do something a little bit different. But but more specifically, I, I really felt like my skill set, um, which it, there's there's a lot of problem solving, there's a lot of thinking that needs to take place. Uh, budget analysis, marketing. It, it, as a realtor, you're really kind of running your own uh, complete business. But for me, it, I've, I've always been a person that I've wanted to do something that can help others. And, and I know that everyone needs a place to live. And uh, uh, helping someone find that home and that place where they're going to be uh, and, and having them be excited about it or helping them sell that home uh, I feel like maybe I'm doing something that's uh, good for others, and and that's what really excites me about uh, being a, a real estate agent. So, on the tales of of what Lance asked, um, how do you since you got into this, you feel like you're doing good for others and you're helping them make a significant. Uh, decision in their lives. What do you do when you deal with people like, oh, I don't know, me, when we're, you know, sending you 15 texts a day because texting is something uh, easily accessible or email with clarification and points. How, what do you do when you deal with someone who is, I'm going to use the word difficult. You may choose a different word and I'd be okay with that. Uh, challenging or uh, highly motivated What's your method for that after now doing this for a couple of years? Well, first, let me say that I do not believe that that the Vlad family was a difficult family to work with. Okay. Just Jason. You want to interject at this point? <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. Thank you. I knew that now, was coming. It, the word I would use is you were conscientious shoppers. And, and 
and that's and you know what that's great you should be um because you know you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of dollars in in, in a place that you want to call home and so i i like working with people who ask questions and people who want to understand because the process a lot of the process is is educating people a lot of times you're educating your seller or you're educating your buyer and and you're trying to get them to understand, hey, here's the market situation. Um, here's the particular situation with this house. Uh, so to me, when I'm working with clients uh, that present challenges, I, I look at that as an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to be able to engage and problem solve and get a clear and maybe more in-depth understanding of the situation that we're working with. Um, so I, I don't I don't look at things as being difficult. I, I look at things as being more of a, an opportunity. And so um, that's not to say that I haven't maybe had some difficult people I've had to work with, but, uh, but that's okay. You know, uh, I think that's, it's really like that when you stop to think about it in any particular career, we, there, there are easy situations and situations that require a little bit more of a challenge. So let's get to brass tacks, which is more difficult negotiating the purchase or selling of a home price with another agent or negotiating teacher contracts. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I, I, uh, I would say it really depends. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was some times negotiating the labor contracts were extremely challenging, but other times that maybe it wasn't same, same with the house. Uh, right. And, you know, what's interesting is sometimes you're working with your own client and, and getting them to understand that maybe the offer they have is an excellent offer um, can, can be a challenge just as much as, you know, working with that other agent trying to negotiate and get the price that you want for, for your client. Uh, so negotiating to me is always a situation where at some point we're going to find a happy medium, uh, you know, I'm looking for what's called a win-win situation. Quite, quite frankly, mm -hmm. if the buyer feels like they've won and the seller feels like they've won, uh, that creates a, an awesome opportunity for both people. And everybody wins. Yay. Um, something that came up uh, for me this summer, uh, did a lot of traveling with my son's lacrosse team. Uh, spent a lot of downtime with a bunch of moms and dads. Uh, and you get talking about what do you do for a living and do you know so-and-so? And, and a topic that came up quite often and something that I'm curious about but scares the ever-loving crap out of me is the ownership of rental property. Uh, most specifically, this gentleman that I talked to the most has over a dozen rental properties in the Kalamazoo area, and the majority of them are in what we call the student ghettos around Western Michigan University, where students are, you know, well, like where you live, right. where four or five friends get together, they spend the money they have, they have a location that's uh, perfectly suited to get to class and whatnot, yeah, but uh, they don't treat those, well, or get called in sick by your friends. Um, Sounds but about right. <laughs> they don't exactly treat those places with a whole lot of respect, mm. so... Patrick, the question I've, I've gotten, I definitely want Moody to chime in on this because he's lived in those types of homes, uh, a couple of them for sure. Um, 
is that a good market to get into? What what does that entail? Are you actually signing up for a second or third mortgage? I don't I don't even know what that looks like. Well, sure. Um, you know, anticipating that you could potentially ask this question, I actually pulled up a little bit of da- data right now in the Kalamazoo market. Oh, on, nice uh, on rental properties. Um, you'd be interested to know that right now in this particular area, about one out of every three people actually rents. So you have 33% mm. of the population um, renting, which... Is it because they're transient or just because that makes financial sense? Well, it, it, it's probably, it could be a combination of, of both. Uh, uh, but a lot hmm. of times it's because it makes financial sense to them. Or like you said, if, you know, college students aren't necessarily going to want to purchase a house that they know that they'd only be in for, you know, maybe two, three years. Um Um, and the average renter right now in our area is paying almost eight to nine hundred dollars a month in rent, um, which, which which is a little bit more than a standard apartment, and you get more room. I would assume. Um, yes, and, and and what's interesting is in a lot of cases you can purchase a home and pay about eight to nine hundred dollars a month in 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 a mortgage, and so um, uh-huh. and and really and. And right now, we own, we have about a 94% occupancy rate in in the area, in rental properties, uh, and so it's huh. it's a strong market for people who want to uh, to get into that. And and really, what it is is for an investor, it, it's all about cash flow. Um, and, and yes, uh, often they are borrowing money in order to make those purchases, and um, when they, what they want to be able to do is is borrow money and be able to have a situation where there's more income coming in in rent than what's going out, and what they have to pay, you know, in mortgage and taxes, and and also they have to budget for the types of things that they have to do to keep the house in good order. And so it's it's really it's really a situation, and and those buyers are different because they're looking at it from an investment standpoint. Are, are we going to get positive cash flow out of this house? Will um, and will this house uh, hopefully increase in value over time? So when they go to sell it, they can make some money through um, equity as well. Um, and so it, it's an opportunity. I, I would say this: it, 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 people who do it, uh, they it does require a little bit of work. Uh, it's yeah, see, I think about Lance whenever I hear think about this because Lance, I think, is more handy than than both of us in terms of you know quick. I don't know about Moody. I shouldn't. Speak I, Moody, I think Lance. I refinished most of the basement myself at the old place. I would say I would you know, I would dare say that Moody's got a little bit more on me. I mean, I may have you know more you know building experience, but it's with the uh, Habitat for Humanity, so. Um, Building with Habitat for Humanity and doing stuff on your own house is a little bit different, but you know, I'm just thinking like if if someone who has a little extra time and the wherewithal to do that, that's so that's a great question, Patrick. Do you notice the numbers of people that are actually uh, owning rental properties where they are strictly owning it and then flipping it? Uh, you know flipping it or not so much flipping it, but maybe having it for a long period of time, but they're not doing the maintenance on it. Like they outsource the maintenance work to somebody else. Like, uh, 
Yeah, management company, property management. I mean, we had talked very briefly when we sold mm-hmm. our house because it was taking quote unquote longer than we thought it should, which just was how the market worked out at the time, um, whether or not we wanted to put it up for rental. And it scared me to death because I don't know Jack about doing stuff to the house yet. Right. Uh, we still often wonder what that oh, would have been Oh, we know. Like. Beth kept calling Conrad whenever stuff needed to get done yeah, around the house. What, I was like about that. <laughs> yes. Yes, this is true. Our friend Conrad, who's been on what? That's one episode so far? Yeah. Conrad calling you out right here. I don't even think it's been that many. But uh, yeah, Conrad is definitely, he owns the most tools. Let's go with that. Well, he also could probably raise his own barn just with him and his two kids. And Burrow. Yeah. Well, to, to answer your question, what I find, and, and I've I've been working with some specific clients. In fact, my the, the last uh, deal I was involved in, I was actually uh, looking for investors who, that's what they do. They, they, they own rental properties, but they are skilled in, in being able to do some of the things that they need to do to fix up homes themselves. And that saves a, a, a lot of money. So when we were looking at properties, we, we were looking at, okay, what would the value of this house be if we were to uh, do the things to it uh, in order to, you know, make it a much nicer home? So uh, because they, they knew that they could do the labor themselves and, and I think there are a number of people um, who, who like to do that. Um, they'll buy a house that might be undervalued uh, because of its condition, and then they'll fix up the house and then get it into a nice condition and, and do you know what, what we refer to as flipping the home um, or, or then renting it at, at, a, at a higher rent that they'd be able to, to get for it in, in a better condition. I think uh, when you get into having other people do it for you, what I find is those are your investors who might have multiple properties and, and they just, it's, it's all about economies of scale at that point where they're, they're saying, gee, it makes more sense for me to maybe hire a management company to, to help me fill the, uh, you know, if, if they own like a eight unit, for example, <laughs> have someone who maybe mm-hmm. lives on site that that's, we pay them to, help keep it filled and handle some of the things that need to be done. Like, like if the fuse, you know, <laughs> needs to be changed, they, they have the capability of doing that without, you know, having to run over to the place to do it. So it, it's, it, it, it really, I guess, depends on the person and the investor and, and, and really what they're trying to do. But, but there are a number of people who do find those opportunities and, um, and they're fun people to work with uh, because they're a lot of times they're very serious buyers. They that that's their goal. They want to find something. They want to be able to invest their time in it and then either flip it or rent it. I don't know if that answers the question, but uh, no, it does. No, it does. I mean, I just wonder what type of person does that, yeah. um, and then and is successful with it. I just it blows my mind. So, um, so you had mentioned a little bit ago, and this made me think of Moody right away because you said, the, so the number one thing you would do with your house besides clean is that fresh coat of paint, a neutral paint. And I know John mm-hmm. uh, did that on the side for for quite a long oh, time. Yeah. He he worked with a guy that paint. It, it was at the point of those, John, yeah. were they flipping those? Oh houses? yeah, because that was, was right at the for? point when um, Pfizer bought Pharmacia. So then that was my buddy Bob. His um. His mother-in-law uh, 
I don't remember the the agency she worked for, but she was head of the relocation department that handled a number of those. And that was basically our job was we were going into these very, very nice homes, pulling all the wallpaper and everything and just knocking it down to like antique white, just because it was much easier for a, uh, a prospective homeowner to envision themselves in that house. If it didn't have all sorts of different colored paints that suited the, um, the current homeowners. Wow. Yeah. I just, I, I'm not someone who can envision that stuff, so I appreciate all the time and effort that you or anyone would put into. Hey, I appreciated like the paycheck. Well, yeah, that's that's no doubt right there. Not any doubt in the world. Um, so something interesting I wanted to ask you about, Patrick, and it's not necessarily your your agency, but the concept is there. Um, so I fly often for work, and I come in and out of the Kalamazoo Airport, and there is a real estate agent see in the in the airport like right there by baggage claim talking about rentals are is it true that people are literally visiting the city and making a game time decision to find a rental is that is it, i gotta believe there's more planning involved than literally showing up to the airport and going huh might need to live somewhere well i i would say typically most people if they know they're relocating to the area if already started the process of trying to figure out what their housing may be. Um, but I do think sometimes agencies take advantage of uh, opportunities like, like the airport, for example, and it could be more than, than just them dealing with a rental. Um, sometimes agencies uh, could be involved with, let's say, some of the corporate relocations, and, and that might may be a meeting point uh, for some of the people who are being uh, relocated, uh, you know, like, Pfizer being an example, or maybe Stryker or someplace like that. Uh, sure. But, but yes, the, sure. uh, you know, it's, it's like any spot you, um, you want an office that has visibility because you just never know, you know, a person can be driving by and say, Oh, you know what? I have a real estate need at this point, whether it be renting or, or purchasing or putting their house up for sale. And, and so I think it's, you see different creative ways that agencies are trying to get out to where people might be like, like airports, or you even see some agencies now in malls and um, you, you go, go to uh, like South Haven, for example, and you've got rental, uh, you've got agencies that sit right on the main street there, right? Going down to the lake that specialize in lake rentals and that type of thing. And, and so, um, uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, every agency has its uh, strategy and creating its uh, visibility and marketing its brand. And, uh, and you know, that's why I feel lucky to work for, for an agency that you know, right now we're, we're extremely large agency and have a, a very large presence in the area. And so you can't really go too far without seeing one of our, our signs somewhere. So, uh, so that's all part of branding. It's all part of yeah, branding, no, that's I true. think, and all part of uh, marketing and, and making sure that, you know, people feel good about your company. There's a few in my neighborhood right now. And I always look and I'm like, <laughs> is that Patrick? Nope. Is that Patrick? Yeah. Is that Patrick? So, uh, I, I have a, I have a really generic question that I don't know if you can answer or not, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, and then I got a question for everybody else. We're getting close to the end. Yes. There's a four 30 alarm clock waiting for me, but what, is the dollar value 
of the highest home that you've listed is okay. my first question. And the second question is, uh, what's the quickest uh, turnaround from indicating that a house was going to be for sale till it sold? I'm, I'm uh, curious. The, the on quickest you mean? And, and then, uh, uh, well, you know, and again, I'm, I'm in, you know, tor- in the, uh, towards the end of my third year here. So uh, I, I've had the pleasure of listing a house that priced a, uh, close to about $600,000, I, I would say would be, and, I, and I've worked with wow. some buyers that have bought in that 400, uh, 500 range. I've worked with some buyers that are I'm currently working with a couple that are looking for stuff that are even more. Uh, but I'm, I've also worked with uh, um, sales, uh, you know, below 100. And I've worked with, I, I for me, I like to work with a variety of different people. So I, I think it's kind of neat to, to be engaged with um, all the markets. In terms of quick uh, sales, uh, I've had a sure. couple situations where we have put houses on the market and we've had multiple offers uh, within a day. And and uh, I've had that happen uh, actually wow. three or four times. Um, the average house probably will sit on the market, uh, be on the market you know, anywhere from maybe uh, 30 to 40 days. But uh, there are situations where uh, people, maybe it's a certain area or just a certain price point where you could you can get multiple offers on a house within a 24-hour period. Um, and uh, I don't know if that answers the question or not, but uh, yeah, yeah. No, it does. It's a. I'm always curious about that because it's it's probably pretty similar for most agents. Um, that kind of an answer. So I got to tell you, um, Jason, I mean, with you know, down, yeah. being down here in North Carolina, I mean, we've got houses that are selling, you know, within a days. Uh, I mean, in, in most of the houses in the areas that I live, I mean, outside of the Raleigh area, um, I mean, you could have it on the market and then you could have four yeah. offers in a day. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, the houses are selling that fast and, um, you know, it's amazing to see, that you know because when we bought a house 10 years ago down here it definitely wasn't like that but i mean we've got amazon coming in we've got google coming in we've got you know all these uh, healthcare companies that are already here and the research triangle mm-hmm. park so i mean the, the people buying these houses and these i mean that's why they're putting this apartment complex within you know, spinning distance of my own apartment complex so uh, Jason, can I, can I inter- interject? Yeah, uh, in that, um, it makes a make a great point because it, it, there are certain markets where you put a house on the market, there are going to be multiple offers. And, you know, I also work with buyers. And so I've had to work with buyers where we know that when a certain house comes up on the market, we have to get to it quickly and we sometimes have had to be relatively aggressive in, in making our offers. And uh, there have been a number of times where um, houses have sold over the listing price because there are multiple people competing for, for offers. Uh, and so it's important to work mm-hmm. with an agent, too, that will set up a strong buying strategy for you, get you pre-qualified and uh, have you prepared and, and be able to uh, – uh, make those quick offers on homes. I've sold some homes. I worked with a client out of New Mexico 
that wanted a condo and actually showed the condo uh, using Skype and the individual made the decision to buy it looking at it through Skype knowing that it wasn't going to last. Wow. And so, wow. That's actually how my uh, folks bought their condo up here. Oh, wow. Yeah. By doing that same thing. Yeah. I know uh, uh, my wife was with Patrick uh, looking at a house when I was out of town for work. That's right. And they were showing it to me over like FaceTime and they're trying to actually, it's a house that I can see from my backyard now. It's in a (laughs) slightly different part of the neighborhood. And uh, I'm glad that didn't go through. I, I, I'm really glad that didn't work out because I can't imagine being in another house besides this one. Um, See, I'm glad you, I'm glad you're saying that. Cause that makes me feel good because uh, you know, when a, a client says to me, they love the house that they're living in, then, then I know that maybe I did my job well. So I appreciate it. Oh, you that. did. Because I remember standing in that, in this, in that, in this house, in the kitchen going, there's no way I'm running the numbers. I'm like, there's just no way this is gonna, no chance in the world. And here we are two years later uh, working on, okay, who are we having over for Halloween? Uh, we got a, we got enough room to have people. We're going to grill out. We're going to have some fun. And it's yeah. just, you know, the wildlife and all the blah, 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 blah. We love it. We absolutely love it. And they're redoing all the streets in our neighborhood right now. So that's like getting an entire refresh of the neighborhood. So it's pretty cool. Excellent. So, gentlemen, we're, we're rolling here to the end. So I'm going to ask everybody one question. Patrick, you have to answer this question as well. And then we'll let you uh, let everybody know where they can find you if they're interested in your in your services or more of your story. And so we know uh, Moody lives, you know, three and a half miles from here. So we all live in the Kalamazoo area, short of Lance, who lives in the so Northern old state North state, North Carolina. <laughs> uh, <sighs> um, yeah. Stop. Stop it. You, um, you get a, a singular answer as to if you wanted to, if you were able to move uh, costs are covered, uh, where are you going to go? And why? Where's your dream location? And uh, I'll answer first. Everybody, most of you guys know I love the city of Chicago. Um, if it weren't for a family of children who need outside time, I think living in downtown Chicago would be amazing. But as it stands now, as price of no as no option, right on Lake Michigan, maybe in like the uh, uh, like the Saugatuck, Holland area that's just so so gorgeous up there. With so much to do and being on the water, I, I couldn't imagine uh, living anywhere else. So uh, uh, Moody will hit you up next and go to Lance and, and wrap with that. I mean, given, like you said, that price is no object and everything. I, I think given my travels, I would go to uh, I'd go to Nashville. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, aside from the uh, obvious music connections and stuff, it really was a kind of pretty cool town and seems to be and it's actually pretty easy to get around. in. I mean, I know they're experiencing a lot of growth right now. And they're mentioning traffic and stuff, but I mean, that's going to happen anywhere. Right. Right. Good answer. Lance, what do you got? Well, I mean, I've grown, you know, having grown up in Michigan my entire life and moving down here 11 years ago, uh, grown pretty partial to North Carolina and beaches. And, you know, especially I, I went to a beach this past weekend that I had never been to before. And uh, I so want to go back because it was a place called Oak Island, North Carolina. And it was about a two hour, mm-hmm. two and a half hour drive from where I'm at. And it was one of the few places that I've ever been on the water that allows me to see a sunrise and sunset from the same location. Oh, wow. It was, it was amazing to see, I mean, to be able to wake up at 
and I'm a pretty early riser anyway. So when, when we were at this beach house with, you know, 12 other people, we, you know, um, you know, there's two of us that woke up at, at, you know, four 30 in the morning, just cause that's what we do. And we're able to be out on the beach watching the sunrise, not at four 30, obviously, but, um, we were still up before everybody else and be able to see that sunrise, but then also that same night, see the sunset and on the same beach, just facing the opposite direction is just amazing. So if I had to choose any place, I would probably choose, you know, of the places that I've been, Oak Island's the only place that I've been that I was able to, to do that. But any place that I could see a, a sunrise and sunset from the same location would be pretty ideal. So nice. Patrick, how about you? Where are you going to move to? Wow, you are asking a question almost impossible to answer. You know, because we have grandkids in this area, so I, I don't, I would not want to move far away from them. So I, I'd probably say I'd stay here. But let, let's just say I win that Mega Billions tonight, and I can go buy a, a home. Uh, I'm in love with South Padre Island, but you know, more recently, my wife and I traveled down to uh, actually South Carolina. And I love that whole area between Charleston and um, Hilton Head. Uh, there are some neat small towns there that have the old southern homes with the big front porches that uh, uh, I could just picture myself sitting in a rocking chair on one of those front porches. Uh, and if it happened to have the ocean view, that would be totally awesome. So uh, nice. <laughs> I'd say that area. Not the old a South bad State. answer at all. Not a bad answer at all. <laughs> Oh, snans. Really? Really? We're going to go there? Oh, and I was going to ask something simple like ice tea or lemonade. And someone was going to say Arnold Palmer and just break the whole right. internet. So, Actually, oh, if you're well, looking right now, the internet's already broken. Apparently, YouTube is down right now. I noticed that. Oh, That's a thing. Wow. That's a thing. So, Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you again for a, another tremendous episode. First of all, Patrick, thank you so much for being a guest on 40ish. We really appreciate it. Uh, where can people f- reach out to find you uh, if they're interested in your services? Well, they, they could uh, definitely go to my web, which is uh, uh, patrickbird.bhhs uh, at uh, com, or they could uh, call me or look look me up on uh, Facebook. I have a Facebook realtor page of Patrick Bird. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, or, or am I allowed to give my phone number out? They could call me at uh, 269-303-3659. That's my cell. And uh, I always uh, love working with uh, new clients. So uh, if you know anybody out there looking to buy or sell, I'd be glad to work with them. Well, we absolutely would do that. So we appreciate your time. And John and Lance, as always, appreciate your time. Lance, not so much. John, yeah, yeah. you're okay. There you go. No. <laughs> so my thanks to john to lance to patrick appreciate your time tonight on 40ish and if i don't talk to you soon uh, i'll catch you in the next one all right